0: Hello, Polyam fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org.
1: This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself,
0: for a healthier and happier
1: lifestyle. This is Bella Doll, she is my sunshine full of giggles.
0: And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know
1: us, hello up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Welcome to Talk Your Poly Off. We are your hosts. I'm Bella. I'm the ineffable Monsada.
0: Ineffable? What does that mean?
1: Uh, Well, indescribable by words. Oh, you are. So sacred as to not be muttered.
0: Words just don't do you justice? Right. Okay, I got it. I got it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Last week, Bella and I shared lists of some personal development skills we're each working on to improve ourselves and our relationships. Yeah. Yeah. This week, we've chosen to discuss guilt management from those lists. So today's episode, we're going to make the effort to learn more about what guilt is, where it comes from, and how it differs from shame, so we can effectively manage ourselves when these feelings are involved. When I think of guilt and shame, honestly, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind Mm -hmm. is the opening line from Sulfur. By Slipknot.
0: Oh, okay. I don't know that I've heard it.
1: I won't play you the whole thing. But I got a little bit here that I want to share with you real quick. All right. Okay. Anyway, so, yeah. That song has run through my head quite a few times since deciding to do this episode.
0: Well, nice. It's um, an intense song if you listen to the
1: lyrics. It's been a song that's really helped me... Process a lot yeah. in some parts of my life, which is part of why I feel like I've done so well with guilt management. But I mean, this isn't the processing episode, this is the guilt management <laughs> episode. And I'll talk about using music to process on that episode.
0: Right. And just in case the listeners don't hear the lyrics in that clip that we share with you, he's saying, My guilt and my shame always sell me short. Right. Right.
1: And that's like, that's about as legitimate as you can get when you come to guilt and shame I mean what we often forget as human beings is that we are amazingly incredible things and when we put our minds to it we can do so much right I mean we've built buildings we've gone to space we <laughs> as human beings we've done outstanding things and even just you know on a personal level when we're Reaching out to help the people around us. We're doing fantastic things. Right. and We are really... We're all kind of like amazing miracles.
0: Amazing miracles. That was cute. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. And we're always selling ourselves short. Yeah. And we're always telling ourselves we're not good enough. And it's because of guilt and shame. So this is obviously an important episode to have. Because I believe that a lot more people have guilt and shame than they'd be willing to admit.
0: Absolutely. I mean, really, I think we all do. But before I jump into that, uh, on a lighter note, Uh before we get into the heavy stuff, I kind of want to catch everyone up on what's been going on. It has not been the easiest week for us. No. Um, Actually, we've had quite a few car issues, not only of our own, Uh, but we've got a lot of friends and family who've been having some car struggles this week as well so we've had some shuffling of the vehicles and loaning out of the vehicles and then going to pick up the vehicles after loaning them out it's been a lot of fun but we wanted to make sure that all of our people were covered so if we had an extra vehicle and it meant you riding your motorcycle for the week We made sure and loaned them out. Oh no, not riding my motorcycle for the week. Oh no, the weather was perfect.
1: (laughs) I I didn't mind it. I actually, uh, I look forward to riding my motorcycle. Yeah. So if I have an extra vehicle because I'm riding my motorcycle and someone needs it, happy to help.
0: Right. So it's been quite the stressful adventure this week, but I think we're getting through to the other side. Everyone seems to be settling down. And then I also have a happy Polly moment to share. Okay. I don't know if you've got one to share, but I wanted to tell the listeners that this week my happy Polly moment came from actually your youngest daughter. She reached out to me to include me in her baby shower plans this week. Not that her shower was this week. She just reached out to me this week. So that meant a lot to me, and it was really the, you're part of the family feel that I'm always looking for in my polycules. Oh, that's good. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. Yeah. You have anything you want to share? No. All right, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So moving on, guilt. Yes,
1: Yes, please.
0: (laughs) Though there are many definitions, the one that we're going to focus on today is personal guilt. According to dictionary.com, this definition of guilt is, quote, a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some moral offense, crime, wrong, etc., whether real or imagined, end quote.
1: It isn't always easy to understand what guilt is. In fact, guilt and shame are often confused with each other, though they're distinct emotions. Guilt describes a sense of regret or responsibility that relates to actions taken, People may feel guilt over things they actually did wrong, things they believe were their fault, or things they had no responsibility for. It's a cognitive or an emotional experience which occurs when a person believes or realizes, accurately or not, they have compromised their own standards of conduct or have violated a universal moral standard and bear significant responsibility for the violation. Hmm. Meanwhile, shame is an emotion caused by the belief that one is or is perceived by others to be inferior or unworthy of affection or respect because of one's actions, thoughts, circumstances, or experiences.
0: So in a lot of the research and reading that I had done for this episode, I came across an article, What Makes Us Feel Guilty?, From Psychology Today by F. Diane Barreth, she states, Guilt is not a nice feeling. We try to avoid it, and when we can't get away from it, we try to get rid of it. Sometimes by trying to put blame on others. It's her fault, not mine, we say. I'm really an innocent victim here. Or we look for absolution, for forgiveness. We want to know that we're not bad, or at least not completely. But like so many painful emotions, guilt is actually important to our well-being, part of healthy psychological development. Freud saw it as a signal that an individual had begun to take responsibility for himself, for his feelings and conflicts and for difficult decisions he had to make. Carl Jung said that development and growth only occur when we're able to recognize and attempt to rectify our transgressions. And Melanie Klein saw guilt as part of a healthy acceptance of the depressive position, which she believed was a sign that a person could manage realistic mix of emotional experiences, accepting that she is neither pure and always good nor evil and always bad. Guilt is a way we have of recognizing that we have not lived up to our own values and standards. At its best, it's an opportunity to acknowledge and rectify mistakes. But often guilt bleeds into shame and then it becomes another story. End quote.
1: In my experience and from what I've seen, that's where the confusion comes into place, right? Like, oh, for sure. For me, guilt is, is easily, oh, I should be better than this or I should live up to this. And if you can get it at that point and you can work on managing your feelings in regard to whatever the event is that's making you feel this way, then you can handle your guilt in a way that's healthy and productive to your life. It helps you grow morally and emotionally and responsibly when you can't or don't handle the things that are causing you guilt. That's when the shame comes in. And actually, I didn't realize that specifically... Right. ...until we were working on this episode. And there was an epiphany moment when you shared something with me that talked about guilt and shame and i think that was actually it yeah
0: it was so interesting to watch it was almost like this light bulb clicked on for you and you were like holy shit that makes so much sense
1: right because in the moment i'm thinking oh guilt sucks it's fucking horrible and and look at all these things i'm feeling because of it
0: and you've had to manage them all and figure out how to get rid of the guilt and all these things
1: so then when you start adding shame into it on top of the guilt itself then you're starting to understand that, that it's not the guilt itself, it's not the understanding that you aren't meeting expectations but the fact of your self talk and your self punishment right. after the fact if I feel guilty as an example say it's dark late at night, I wake up super thirsty or hungry I mm-hmm. go down to the kitchen to get a drink and on the way down, I don't see the little dog that's walking next to me on the carpet, and I accidentally kick him. Yeah. In my steps. I'm going to feel guilty Aww. for that. I didn't mean to hurt the dog. I certainly wasn't trying to kick the dog. Yeah. But I did. And it's because I connect with the dog on an emotional level or the fact that I just understand it's another living creature and I unintentionally caused it harm. I feel bad because I don't want to cause it harm. I want to do better for this dog and every dog elsewhere. So that's where guilt is. Oops. You kick the dog. Try to be more mindful of your steps. And then the shame comes in when you just can't let go that you accidentally kicked the dog.
0: Like it festers within. And it
1: holds in with you. And then say weeks later in an unrelated note, the dog gets hit by a car and dies. Oh, no. Right? That's terrible. (laughs) Totally unrelated. And if you didn't handle your guilt about accidentally kicking the dog while going to get a snack, now the dog got hit by a car and died, and you're like, oh, geez, if I wouldn't have kicked that dog on accident while walking to the kitchen, it might not be dead right now. (laughs) And then you have to live with this. Well, that escalated. Right. And that's usually what happens is it usually escalates in a really bad way. Now, for the record, I didn't actually kick any dog. I'm just trying to find <laughs> no a good example. No dogs are harmed in no. the filming of this
0: episode. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> it was a quick example because I knew I could follow it up with something ridiculous like a car crash. So I guess... What I realized, even researching this episode, is even though I had a good control on my guilt management, there were aspects of it that I was not fully in tune with. And that's the aspect of understanding the difference between guilt and shame. And now that I do, there's a lot that looks different for me moving forward.
0: Yeah. I think that was really awesome to see too, just from like a third party standpoint as we were researching. to see you mentally work through distinguishing the guilt and the shame Uh it was cool
1: at any rate bella we've talked a lot about guilt and shame in a theoretical standpoint or a generalized standpoint yeah do you maybe have any conversation you want to provide on How does guilt affect us or our relationships? I think maybe we could talk about some of that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I feel the most of my guilt around family relationships. And it doesn't come from, like, I didn't have an uber religious upbringing. I didn't have, like, I had a pretty good childhood. My parents are still married. There were four of us kids. We had dinner together. We had milk and said a prayer at dinner like it was it was pretty stand up childhood stuff. Okay. So none of my guilt comes from some traumatic event or anything like that. However, it comes from things like money and divorce and my college education, now my weight and the time I spend with them. So for example, my parents live what 5 miles down the road. They're like a 15 minute drive from here and I can feel guilty at times when maybe it's a day off and it's a weekend day and we've been busting our butt doing housework and business stuff and the nine to five job stuff and maybe I just don't want to go out but I have this free time and I should, there's that word again, I should go see my parents and visit for a little bit and say hi and catch up. So I I will tend to feel guilty for not going over there, not spending time or comments will be made about my what my weight is and things like that. And I can feel guilt based around those. Mm -hmm. But I don't I can't recall feeling guilty in romantic relationships from my experiences. I'm sure that I have, but nothing big enough that it stands out that I remember to tell as a story.
1: I say So I do want to talk <laughs> about my side of that and guilt in romantic relationships yeah. and even how my upbringing has affected my mature life. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to go so far as say mature, <laughs> mature, my adult life, <laughs> but it's interesting when you're talking and you're like, there's that word again, mm, that let's, should. let's really highlight that for a second. Should. Mm-hmm. That's the word you were using. And that's the word that drives a lot of the guilt. Would you say that's fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you were talking about it, I kept running this thought in my head is what is should? Yeah. And the best I could come up with is a self-imposed third party obligation, which sounds kind of confusing. So you create the obligation. It's an Mm -hmm. obligation at the root. And then you create the obligation Based on the fact that you believe a third party is feeling that you should do this obligation.
0: So I think that my mom thinks or feels like I need to come over. Right. So like I'm imparting or I'm assuming that she's thinking and feeling a certain way and because I'm guessing at her thoughts and feelings, Uh in my head, I play that I should go over there because otherwise she might think or feel these things.
1: Right. Your mom might think, oh, why isn't my daughter coming to visit? We live so close now. You would think that by now she'd be visiting more. Right. So now you're like, oh, I think by now I should be visiting more. (laughs) I should go over there because that's what's expected of me. That's what's right. That's the right thing to do. That's the
0: moral thing.
1: Right. So I think one of the first things to consider when thinking about guilt management is replacing should with could.
0: Right. Yep. I I
1: could go visit my mom more. That way now you're not creating your own expectations and you're not creating your own obligations based on assumptions of others.
0: Yeah. And then you... If you choose not to, there is no, I keep going back to this moral dilemma of it, but there's no moral attachment to it. You could go over there. I could go do it. Right. If I choose not to, that's cool. But if I choose to go, awesome. That's, that's my choice because I could.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about your upbringing. My upbringing was a bit different. Yeah. There was a lot of mental influence, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound shitty but basically manipulation yeah right it wasn't direct conversation all the times it wasn't straightforward but a lot of you know if you did this then maybe i would feel this
0: like passive aggressive manipulation
1: yeah there was a lot of passive aggressiveness and and a lot of control using guilt
0: leading you to something because of should
1: right Now, I I grew up in some bad home environment. Mm -hmm. And in my young adult days, I continued that pattern with a bad marriage. Yeah. And after that marriage, my first marriage, I did a lot of self-work to be like, wait, I don't need to fall under guilt trips and I don't need to be controlled and manipulated. It's okay to be me. But by that time, a lot of negative patterns were imparted onto me and that's what I would run without even thinking about it. Yeah. I think you were listening to a podcast, I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah. About well, that sort of thing.
0: One of my one of my favorite thought work and go to podcasts is the Unfuck Your Brain by Para Lowenthal. Fantastic podcast. Yeah. She likes to go into detail about, like, why our brains, she calls it the lizard brain, Mm -hmm. why our brain thinks the way that it does, and goes back to how we've gone through evolution. And so back in, like, caveman days, our, and we, you know, had to be part of the tribe to survive. Uh You know, if you were outcast from the tribe, you were dead. (laughs) Right. So feeling worried about what other people might think of you or what their thoughts around you were in general was all about your survival you would feel guilty if you disappointed them or let them down because if you didn't feel that guilt you wouldn't correct that action yeah and then you'd be outcast and you would die right so our brains created these what nowadays we consider like detrimental thought processes. But back in the day, it was all about survival. And we had to be part of the tribe and part of the crew. And so we needed to learn what was right and wrong for us back then. And now we've evolved and we need to change the way we think about some of this stuff. But that's the way our lizard brain wants to think based off of our ancestors and our history.
1: It's interesting actually that you go there because many of my decisions are based on survival. Right. Even now, even in this kind of society, and I often go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is something I absolutely want to do an episode on in the future, yeah. about how Maslow's hierarchy affects polyamorous relationships. Mm-hmm. But basically, what Kara is talking about in this example mm-hmm. is, if you're not familiar with the pyramid, there's five levels of enlightenment the base is survival and then it goes all the way up to oneness of the universe Right, <laughs> so it's survival and security and comfort and like basically all the steps you take to be great right and at the base is survival in caveman days we didn't care about luxury cars we worried about not getting eaten by saber-toothed tigers right I just
0: watched The Croods recently. If you haven't seen it, it's such a good movie.
1: I actually haven't seen
0: it. I love it! I'll have to show you. Reminds me of those Cape Man days.
1: (laughs) So it's interesting to think about that lizard brain and and where it's at on the hierarchy or the pyramid of needs. Mm -hmm. And I still operate that way. Yeah. And maybe it's because there are aspects of the pyramid which I have not yet obtained, so I'm still struggling and still in the survival mode. Mm Mm-hmm anyway to get back to guilt in polyamorous relationships yeah you were saying that most of yours has been familial and not so much in the relationship aspect right I am run by guilt or have been in the past mostly because of my hierarchy or my parentage and my early life experiences so falling into being managed by guilt rather than managing the guilt is something that happens more frequently than I'd like to admit, which is one of the reasons why I'm trying so hard to learn how to flip the tables and manage the guilt rather mm-hmm. than be managed by it. Yeah, like work with it instead of letting it run you. Right. So speaking on polyamorous relationships, I still to this day struggle with giving one thing to one partner and not to another yeah i still to this day struggle with doing something fantastic like i'm going to take you to an eliza concert yes in october yeah that i also would like to take another partner as an example but i'm only taking you yeah and there's where I would feel guilty. I feel guilty because I should be providing this experience to any partner that wants it. And if I cared about my partners, I would be doing the best I could to give them each experiences they'd enjoy. Yeah. There are times where I have to decide this thing I wanna do I want to do with this partner and that's okay but in the moment it's really tough to do because guilt says if you don't do this with this person you're not doing right by that person
0: or you don't love them enough or so you don't love them right
1: right you could be doing more for them right and so even in an environment like that that's where guilt comes into play in relationships and it isn't even that you're doing something wrong it's like i'm not doing something wrong if i want to create a memory with you specifically as opposed to a shared memory with seven people yeah. it just means i have to manage my feelings about my actions there's an example on how guilt can affect polyamorous relationships.
0: yeah no i think that's excellent and i think a lot of people probably have those same experiences we're very similar where it even comes down to i need to split. we taught we in polyamory circles discuss a lot about equality versus equity and uh-huh. things yeah. and i think that can come into play here as well with like i feel guilty because i'm not giving partner a the same amount of time that i'm giving partner b Well, maybe partner B doesn't need the same amount of time and they're happier doing things on their own with their own autonomy. And so you are creating that feeling of guilt within yourself because you should split the time equally. Right. But if you can turn that inner monologue into you are equitably splitting your time and giving each partner what they need, Uh maybe that'll cut down on the guilt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that goes even if... In addition to maybe partner B not really needing or wanting that extra time, perhaps partner A gets more time because that's your nesting partner. Right. And it's not that the quality of time is better. It's just that's who you happen to share a domicile with. Yeah. So there are plenty of reasons to understand why you can't split it straight down the middle. And figuring that out is one of the things that would help you handle the guilt that goes around with not giving equalness to each partner. Yeah. So when we get back to the root of what we're talking about, we're talking about guilt and shame. I mean, like we've, we've talked about generalization, but what does your guilt actually look like? What's the onset for it? And, and when do you realize that you're feeling it? Like anything that you want to give as far as what guilt is in your life.
0: I think that we all feel guilt, but it tends to manifest differently for different people depending on our own like internal self-talk. So for like the way that you feel guilt is probably different than how I do. So for me, when you ask that, when I'm feeling guilty about something, I don't tend to beat myself up. I don't get bothered and mad at myself for messing up, but I try to look forward at the solution and how to fix it next time. I want to improve past the icky guilt feeling quickly, and I don't want to dwell on it. I don't like feeling like when I feel guilty, it's really a pit in my stomach, and then my cheeks get hot and flushed, and I tend to feel it in the same physical traits as almost like when I get mad, only I'm mad at myself. My heart races a bit, and then my fight or flight kind of kicks in, and that's where I want to either defend myself and I get defensive, or I just wanna run away and escape it all. So for me, I don't wanna dwell in those feelings. I don't wanna beat myself up and, oh, I should've done it this way and I'm terrible for not doing it and now I feel guilty and it's never gonna go away and I can never make amends. and This is horrible and I'm awful, I'm a terrible person. I don't wanna sit in that, so I try to take it as Well, this sucks, and I messed up, and I don't want to mess up again because I hate feeling this way. So what can I do to change that going forward?
1: And that's kind of the reason why I asked you that question, because I have spent a lot of my life being managed by my guilt. Yeah. And after meeting you and being involved with you, I've learned a lot of things in my own right. And one of them revolves around guilt and shame, and that's I don't have to let guilt be my absolute moral compass. Mm -hmm. I don't have to make my decisions purely to avoid feeling guilty. And one of the things that I've been changing in the last few years is to make my decisions not because I'm run by guilt and pushed around by shame, but because it's okay to make these decisions. And if anything, the guilt is helping me point my moral compass rather than doing it for me. Yeah. I don't know if that made much sense, but I've been driven. Like I said earlier, I had the epiphany about guilt and shame just this morning through the research. Right. So what I would have said yesterday is that I let my guilt guilt make a lot of my decisions or I make a lot of my decisions because of the guilt I'm going to feel if I don't
0: Mm -hmm.
1: now what I say today after realizing the actual big difference between the two is that I want to make good decisions which is where my guilt came in it helped me figure out this is the ideal side of me and this is what I want to do So that's where the guilt is. I don't want to be a shitty person, so I don't want to make that decision. Right. It's the shame that I would feel that I want to avoid feeling. Mm -hmm. So I guess without a good way of explaining it, my example would be in a breakup. I'm hurt, I'm feeling terrible, and I'm going to make a morally wrong decision. My guilt could be like, hey, you're going to do that and you're going to feel terrible. Maybe don't do that.
0: Like a guide.
1: Yeah, like a guide. And let's just say I don't listen to my guilt. And I make that bad decision. Say, I do something really stupid. Like, I call someone a dumb bitch. Or, you know, that typical shitty breakup thing that you do. Yeah. And then I have to live with the fact that I didn't listen to my guilt or my moral compass. Mm -hmm. And that's where the shame is. And so now... Not only are my feelings hurt because of the breakup, and I don't want that experience, but I also have to have this experience that I treated someone else like shit in retaliation for being emotionally wounded. Right, and and now your own, you're going to beat yourself up from it too. Right, and that's where the shame is, and that's I, I guess that's the difference in my head. Is the shame is you're no longer letting something guide you for fear of embarrassment or negative feelings you are now your own punisher right
0: shame is like the punishment it is shame (laughs) shame (laughs) so i mean we talk about how like why you feel guilt and how you use guilt versus shame but like how does it manifest
1: for you well like how you were saying earlier that your manifestations are what, the pit in your stomach? And yeah, feeling is that the same the for face. you? No, it is not. <laughs> not at all.
0: So what do you feel physically when you feel guilt?
1: When I feel guilt, I mean, that's a quickening of breath. That's suddenly a little bit of anxiety. It's concern. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Maybe that's not right. Or maybe I shouldn't. Or whatever. Yeah. That's a quickening of a pulse. That's anxiety. That's stress. When it comes to shame what I previously thought was guilt. Mm -hmm. I get hot in the head. I develop pressure in the head. I'm a horrible overthinker. (laughs) So I will sit and I will run a thousand scenarios a minute on exactly what's going to happen because of this action or because of this thing or why I wasn't good enough or what I did wrong or whatever. Yeah. This is the point where it's no longer do right or wrong it's you're not worthy you're not important you're a piece of shit right this is where the internal dialogue comes in and starts just ripping you a new asshole yeah it's that that worthiness is a big one right and that's where I go and the more I hear these things the more I hate it and then the more I hate me and Mm -hmm. the more I just feel like I'm on fire right and and just that's when it's all like, fuck this and fuck you and fuck that and fuck everything. And, fuck life. <laughs> That's Shaves where mine is. sounds so
0: much fun. It's
1: a great time. Oh. I love it. And, in, and it comes from a lot of places. Like, there's that real or perceived wrongdoing. Like, either I did it wrong or I think I did it wrong. There's um, basically the one I struggle with the most is guilt from empathy. Mm-hmm. Whether I did wrong or not, I feel bad that someone's in a situation that I'm not in. Right. Uh, as an example, my wife and I are separated. Mm-hmm. And when she struggles financially or emotionally or what have you, I feel guilt and shame because in that moment or for that instance, maybe I'm doing a better in my life than she is. Or I've, I've got this aspect of my life a little more in control yeah. or more stability there. And so when I see that she doesn't have the stability that I would want in that scenario, I feel guilty. I feel like, oh, well, it's because of our separation. It's because we couldn't get along. It's because of our problems. And then all of that turns into, it's because I did this and it's because I did that. Right. And it's because I said this and because I'm a piece of shit. It's my fault. And then, and then it just... It landslides yeah. from oh that's unfortunate that that person is experiencing that to what the fuck is wrong with you? You worthless sack of shit. To yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so that's the path that it takes and it's tough especially when you feel the empathy connection and and you want to be there and you want to do something. You want to take something back maybe. Right. That happened or you want to change change, the timeline change the time right (laughs) and you can't yeah and because you can't that means you're not in control of it and you're not able to fix it yeah and that happens and it's really unfortunate
0: so what do you do when you're in that spiral of guilt and then the guilt turns to shame and all of that how do you manage it what do you do to get out of it
1: well, that's what this episode's all about, right? It's managing guilt more than just what guilt actually looks like. And and it's really difficult sometimes to figure out how to get from one to the other. Especially
0: on your own without any outside help.
1: Right. So, sure, you may be well-versed in what guilt looks like. But knowing how to manage it once you see it, that's a whole different story. It, it would kind of be like well, I know what a tiger looks like, but I sure don't know how to train it to <laughs> jump through a hoop or to not eat my face. Yeah. And so because of that, it's tough to figure out like what techniques you would use or it's difficult to build a system on your own that would help manage that. Yeah. So I guess I would, I would offer some techniques that I would use to manage your own guilt in hopes that you can prevent subsequent shame from taking root. Sometimes it's nice to have techniques. Sometimes it's nice to have some kind of blueprint or pattern. Recognizing guilt and shame and being able to manage it is really tough, especially when you've gone beyond the guilt phase. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's going to be different and everyone's going to do things differently. And some things will work for you and some things won't some things will work for me that just seem crazy to you and it's it's like the feeling is that you feel guilt differently than I do Mm -hmm. managing it is the same way it's different for each person and you really have to learn yourself learn how to see guilt for what it is in your life and where the line between the guilt and the shame comes from and You need to be able to figure it out in a way that works for you. So with that said, I kind of have my own way and I'll share that. And if that works for you or for one of our listeners, that's great. And if it doesn't, this is me consciously and actively working through one of the things that's driven me so much in my life since as far back as I can remember based from plenty different people who've imprinted the need to be controlled by guilt. It is a strong shackle to break, and this is how I try to do it.
0: Well, and even if our listeners can pick and choose and tailor their own management plan from what you've got, even if they take one thing, that'll be useful.
1: The first thing that I do is acknowledge the source of my guilt. Why am I feeling this? And what is the heart of the issue? What is the event that's making these feelings? Mm -hmm. And and this goes through a stage of processing. It doesn't have to be all like in 30 seconds. Oh, do this, got it, do this, got it. Some of it's gonna take more work than others. Next is admitting my part in the event, which is causing me guilt or shame in an honest way, which doesn't have me taking on responsibility for the entire event just the parts I factually played. Through my time in psychology with uh, my therapist, we went through a lot of like magnifying statements Mm -hmm. and, and, and all or nothing and black and white thinking and a lot of cognitive distortions. Yeah. And so trying to be aware of what the cognitive distortions are and avoiding them while I'm trying to admit my part in it is crucial, otherwise, that's a trigger for actuating the negative self-talk. Right. From that, once I figured it out and admitted my accountability or acknowledged my responsibility, then I do have to forgive myself. And that's, that's the important next step. It doesn't free me from my responsibility in this event. It merely says I'm acknowledging what I fucked up on and I'm taking accountability for my actions so I can move forward productively rather than through constant self-condemnation. It's just freeing you from the ties of the negative self-talk in a way that allow you to try to move forward responsibly and consciously. Mm-hmm. And at that point, once I have, I'll put my behavior in alignment with my ideal self. And this is where I have a conversation with my guilt and we find a compromise and come to terms with each other When I can see my errors and not take on the weight of the entire event, I can see where I want to improve. This is where I find out how I can be a better human.
0: Just taking those bits and pieces that you need to improve out of the whole picture to make yourself better.
1: I, I was not a factor in some of it. I can't control some of it. What I can handle, what I can... And I don't want to say what I can control because you don't want to do that. What I can manage, I'm going to manage and then from there i need to take action Uh, and whatever that is this is where the external work begins i'm no longer necessarily just working on me now i'm working on the ripples i'm putting out into the world Mm -hmm. some examples of taking action are like making amends with someone or asking for forgiveness maybe i'm paying a debt sometimes the only action necessary at this point though is admitting that things are the way they are and they can't be changed and that's okay. that's still in action. and them being the way they are is also okay. Right. And then these are the steps I use to manage my guilt so that they don't blossom into shame and so that I'm not sitting here kicking my own ass all day every day about things that either a I can't control or already have been working at controlling to the best of my ability, or basically that I'm just trying to move forward. Yeah. And in my view, When you have a healthy relationship with your personal guilt, uh, you don't agonize over guilty feelings. You just grow because of them.
0: And we like growth, personal development around here. Because it's so much easier to say how something could be done rather than to actually do it, it's pretty easy to see why people struggle with self-improvement or following steps for success. I mean, if it were as simple as following a recipe or instructions, we would all handle our emotions like a champ. I do much better when there's a recipe versus just throwing food together. (laughs) But that's the thing. Emotions are sticky business and don't always follow the same rule twice. This is why continual practice really helps each of us to grow and improve in healthy ways. Reading books, doing exercises, they strengthen our management skills, like doing drills in the field to improve our soccer game or lifting weights in the gym to build our muscles. It's all in the practice. Whether that's morning mantras, positive quotes, spiritual pursuits, meditation, or any other ways we've all differently learned how to manage our feelings. So for example, in some of my readings again in the research, I found that one of the greatest guilt-busting attitudes the yogic tradition offers us is the radical recognition of our essential goodness. Your attitude towards your guilt will undergo a huge change when and if you begin to follow any sort of spiritual teaching that instead of assuming human beings are intrinsically flawed, teaches you to look beyond your flaws and helps you to know that your are deeper perfections. So don't beat yourself up. Don't right. be a dick to yourself, you know. Whatever, if you're spiritual, religious, whatever way that looks for you, looking past those flaws... And your guilt over things to realize that you are a good person.
1: Okay. And then even on the aspect, if you're not a religious or spiritual person, maybe a scientific or a common sense approach of people generally want to be good. Mm -hmm. And that includes you. Yeah. You want to be a good person and you try to be a good person and that's okay. And that's enough of a motivator in its own way to provide that spiritual or religious or enlightenment. Right. So basically, whether it's spiritual or religious or just a a human understanding of people want to be good, regardless of how you get about it, coming from a place of compassion can and does manage guilt and shame pretty well in all the experiences that I've had. And, and compassion, not just for other people. Like, I think one of the biggest things that is missed is how to be compassionate towards yourself.
0: I was just going to say that, too. Right. That's a big one.
1: I often don't treat myself compassionately. I am, as many people are, my own worst critic. And I'm my own worst stern judge. I will berate myself. I will stomp myself into the mud because I don't feel like I'm good enough for this or I should be doing that or I need to work harder at this or I need to be better at that. And it's in times like that where when I catch it, when when I'm feeling a real struggle in life and I'm just feeling like things aren't getting better or that I'm not as good a person as I could be or whatever the self-talk is telling me that day. When I catch that, and I actually stop myself and, and provide some compassion to myself, then it's almost like somebody's come up to me and given me a big hug. Oh. And given me permission to take it easy on myself. And because of that, you know, I provide myself the compassion that every person needs. And the, what I generally try to provide to other people, Suddenly it's, it's not so bad and it's not so hard and I didn't do so wrong. And it is okay. Whatever the situation is, it's already happened and I've already been judged and or punished. The results are in and now all we can do is move forward. And so giving yourself compassion is giving you the opportunity to move forward, which is what we really all kind of want to do.
0: Yeah. Well, when it comes to guilt and shame, many psychoanalysts, psychologists, and social workers have written about the differences between these two feelings. Brene Brown, one of my favorite authors and motivational speakers, puts it succinctly, describing guilt as adaptive and helpful. It's holding something we've done or failed to do up against our values and feeling psychological discomfort. Shame, on the other hand, she says, is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. While we've talked a lot today about guilt and how it's different from shame, there is a good list on guilt synonyms for things you might be confusing your guilt with, and perhaps not actually feeling guilt it's it's too much it's a long list to go into here today
1: well, i'll put it in the show notes
0: all right perfect and it's just some examples would be like instead of feeling guilt i mean maybe you're really feeling disgrace or remorse or like you mentioned earlier self-condemnation not actually guilt so keep an eye out for the link it's from betterhelp.com it'll be in the show notes like Monsuda said. There's a lot of information to digest today, so if you are struggling with guilt, make sure to take some time for self-care, make a plan of action to process it, and let it go. You are in control of your thoughts and you can change the way you feel.
1: And through the course of developing this episode, we have each come across quite a few different papers and articles which we wanted to use, but we just didn't have the time or the space. And we don't want these to go unnoticed or unseen. So like the synonyms, I plan on putting a few of these links into our show notes. Because after all, our goal is to provide education and resources to our listeners and this is a perfect opportunity to do that definitely especially on something so big that affects so many people
0: definitely we want to make sure everyone's got all of this stuff at their fingertips yeah so we'll try and connect it all for you well here we are at the end of the show again and as we've said before we want to help break down the negative stigma, that comes along with consensual non-monogamy and normalize it a little bit more. So we'd love for you to help us spread the word. You can do this by leaving us a five-star rating or review anywhere you're listening. Take a screenshot, share with your friends, get the word out there. And if you want to find us on Facebook, You can find us at facebook.com forward slash ilovepoly.org. On Instagram at ilovepolycares. On Twitter at ilovepoly. And we are always looking for your happy poly moments to share on the show. So email us anytime with your happy moments at podcast at ilovepoly.org.
1: That was fantastic. Ta-da! And as the show is about guilt... (laughs) Ha-ha!
0: We shall guilt trip you into oh. spreading our podcast.
1: <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to talk your Polly off with us, and I look forward to doing more of it next week.
0: Likewise. All right. Until next time, Polly M Fam. Titty titty bop bop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsina. You can find our Facebook page in the links
1: or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page. Polyamory, get your heart on.
0: You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly
1: Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org We would love to hear from you.
0: That's right, and you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepoly.org.
1: That's singular podcast, not plural.
0: So until our next discussion, Polyam fam
1: live like there's no tomorrow
0: laugh until it hurts and
1: And love love without without limits.
0: limits